Coming up on today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast, we continue our 2020 positional primer talking about the secondary. To get fit in 2020, you don't have to join a gym or pay a ton for overpriced fitness equipment. The best way to get in the best shape of your life is with Echelon. Go to echelonfit.com to discover their connected fitness bikes that offer a high-quality at-home cycling experience. Don't pay a ton for a Peloton. Buy an Echelon bike today for under $1,000. Go to echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-F-L to learn about their limited-time free Apple iPad and complete details of this exclusive offer. Echelon, it's your time. That's E-C-H-E-L-O-N fit.com slash L-O-N-F-L. Echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-F-L. Guys, do you remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. Blue Chew, that's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as the pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants that extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. For instance, you know, a lot of guys talk a big game, but if you're a one-and-done kind of guy, Blue Chew can even help you get to round number two. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for all our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when using our special promo code Locked On. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code Locked On, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, to try Blue Chew for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I'm James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Continuing our 2020 positional primer, we are going to wrap up the defensive side of the ball, talking about the secondary. Now, David, first off, it's good to be back. Thank you for, uh, thank you for, you know, manning the ship while I was gone despite all of the very hurtful insults that you and Jill threw my way on Friday's episode, but yeah, yeah. it was all in fun and you know it. I, I do know it, but yeah, just maybe it stung just a little. <laughs> well, I apologize if it did, you know, we were joking. We're all happy that you feel better though, but <laughs> it, it was a lot of fun. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. I, I am starting to feel like a real live human again. Uh, still a little stuffy, still a little bit of a cough, but you know, I'm not, dying anymore much to my uh you know my wife's enjoyment that i'm not bugging her about how pitiful i am anymore but anyway we are here to talk about the secondary and it's an interesting conversation to have because we we take a look at at the way the secondary 
is is lined up and i don't know i i actually i had it and now i don't have it you have the the rundown in front of you as to who all we are uh we are discussing here heading towards 2020 currently under contract we got sean murphy bunting mj stewart carlton davis jamel dean mazzy wilkins john franklin we got justin evans mike edwards jordan whitehead dakota dixon all under contract for the 2020 season so i mean the secondary is not in need of you know body so to say i suppose to to come into training camp and compete they've definitely got enough people they could head into training camp right now and compete for starting jobs i'm sure they'll add more but yeah i mean uh the buccaneers are have no shortage of defensive backs on this roster heading into the next season yeah when i when i took a look at spot track there were five corners and five safeties that had designations for 2020 contracts. And this is what I found to be really interesting. And you heard me kind of, um, you know, kind of messing with this a little bit. And I wouldn't tell you exactly what I was doing. But you take a look at the five corners, the five safeties, these 10 players combined account for only 4.78% of the total cap used by the Bucks. And it's it's set up that way because you know we you know we heard people talking about it. We saw people complaining about it how much draft capital had been used on the secondary. So the player that is using the most cap space is mm. Sean Murphy Bunting. And he accounts for 0.8% of the cap. Now, the the interesting one that I wanted to look at is Justin Evans. Now, he accounts for the second most cap space used by a player in the secondary at 0.79%. And the big question surrounding Justin Evans is, is he even going to play again? Because he's been dealing with that injury. It doesn't seem like there's anything getting any better in regards to that. Almost a, a Kendall Beckwith situation. It seems like this guy just cannot get healthy enough to play. So if the Bucks decide to move on from him, Justin Evans holds $480,000 in dead cap. But the Bucks could free up right around a million dollars if they let him go. Mm-hmm. Now, I know a million dollars doesn't sound like a whole heck of a lot. You can't really do a ton of that or a ton with that, but it can go towards the greater good. It can be used towards Shaq Barrett. It could be used towards Chris Godwin. It could be used towards a free agent safety to replace him. Now, obviously that's going to skew that percentage of the cap space. If they are to go after a free agent, um, free safety because you know some of the guys that are available are going to cost a lot of money but the bucks are set up really really nicely with the way this secondary played down the stretch the way they gelled the way they became uh, a really solid unit um that they're not costing the bucks an arm and a leg for the next couple of years yeah i, re- I really like how the secondary came together you know um th- that group was definitely catching some heat early on and then you know i don't want to go as far as to say that getting rid of vernon hargraves was the difference there, but I think that uh, getting rid of Vernon Hargraves really, I mean, you, you, when you take the leader, you know, when you take the leader out of a room and he was the veteran, he was the more seasoned player, so he kind of naturally fell into that role, which I don't think he was necessarily ready for. But when you take him away, 
someone's got to rise to the top. And I don't think we saw one specific leader rise to the top of that group. I think what happened is they essentially all became leaders of, of each other. And they basically just became, I mean, not to, not to get too corny about it, but basically became a family. And if, if you were to tell me the Buccaneers are going to go into 2020 with Carlton Davis, Sean Murphy Bunting and Jamel Dean as their primary three cornerbacks, I would be okay with that. I, I really would at this point. And that's, uh, that's a little bit scary just because we've seen defensive units, you know, catch fire and get really good and then come in the next season and kind of fall off and have a regression. And these guys are super young. So regression is almost something that you should expect coming in the next season versus something you should hope against because young guys almost always come back in. I mean, you, you have such a long break between, you know, reading, reading a field, playing football, stuff like that. There's going to be kind of a natural regression, but if they can stay healthy, get through the preseason and, and get some good action, get some good reps in, then we, we should be able to see them come back up. Yeah, I, I, it's it's a good group. And the fact that they're not spending a lot of money and it really helps because they need to secure that front seven. We've already covered, you know, the defensive line and the linebacker groups, and we've, we've gone over the plethora of players that this team needs to try to re-sign. Of course, you have the quarterback thing hanging in the balance, which I know we're going to talk about on tomorrow's episode. But being able to have the flexibility because money is freedom. And right now the Buccaneers team is free to negotiate contracts with certain key players, negotiate contracts with quarterbacks or whatever, and look at other areas of this of the team that they need to shore up without really having to worry a whole lot about the secondary. And I think that's huge in, in a passing league that, you know, quote unquote, a passing league, because we already know that the Buccaneers have a great run defense. Look at the playoffs right now, James, and, and we've all said, we've, everybody's been talking about it. It's not the passing teams. It's not the teams that live and die by the pass that are having success. It's the teams that know how to stop and effectively run the ball on offense. And this team already has one of those. They already have a great run defense, so they just need to keep it intact. Having having such a great secondary that's so cheaply run is, is is a huge part of that. Yeah. Now, obviously, and we've talked about it before and, and plenty of our listeners have talked about it before. The biggest need in this secondary, should they address anything really, which I, I do believe they should, but to what capacity? And that's something we're going to get into a little bit, but this team needs a free safety. We've talked about it over and over. Now, as far as the free agents that, that you're looking at, as far as free safeties are concerned and and not all of these players are going to hit the market. Obviously you have, you have Jimmy Ward uh, who's probably going to be retained by San Francisco. I don't think he's actually going to hit the open market, but he could. Yeah. But you're looking at Devin McCourty. He's a little bit up there in age, but he brings that championship pedigree. He brings that experience, that veteran leadership that can't go unnoticed in a, in a room full of second and third year uh, corners and, and safeties. You got ha ha Clinton Dix again, veteran leader, only 27. So you're, you're a little younger, but you're still getting that veteran leadership. You got Clayton gathers, Trey Boston, Adrian Phillips, uh, Mike Adams out of, out of Houston. There are some names out there. It's just a, a question of how many of these guys are actually going to hit the open market and is it going to be something that the Buccaneers are willing to spend money on? Because we've talked about it. Yeah, the Bucs have about $90 million in cap space. But you know a big chunk of that has to go to the quarterback, whether that's Jameis Winston or somebody else. Again, we're going to talk about that on tomorrow's episode. You got Shaq Barrett, who's probably going to get around 
16 million dollars a year if if he gets a long-term extension if he's franchised that's going to be a little bit more you need money to go to jason pierre paul you have endomic and sue who they may want to retain how much is that going to cost them so you know how much money can they spend on a free safety can they afford to give haha clinton dicks you know, five or six million dollars a year. He's coming off a contract where he was making three million dollars. Devin McCourty was making nine and a half. Jimmy Ward was making four and a half. He's going to at least double that, maybe more. So, when when you take a look at the free agent landscape of free safeties, David, what do you see as a possibility for the Buccaneers, and what kind of price range do you think they're going to have to stay in with all these other positions that need to be addressed? Mm. Well, money, money is the, the hard question, right? But I think that uh, a lot of the guys you talked about, I mean, for, for one, you know, I don't, I don't think this team needs to go looking for a rental. I think you're looking for a three to five year guy. Uh, mm-hmm. You want to, you want to bring in a guy who's also going to be a leader because the biggest thing with the secondary and the way that they move Todd Bowles talked about during the season is they really operate in unison and, and, you know, the offensive line is, is a group that operates in unison. The defensive line doesn't really work in unison per se, even though they do influence each other and they influence the linebacker group. But the secondary and the offensive line are really your two units that have to move as one. It's it's four or five guys doing everything that they have to do to make the entire thing work. If one if one piece of that system slips out of place or fires at the wrong time or whatever, then disaster can strike. So I feel like if you're going to bring in a veteran, that veteran is naturally going to take a leadership role because of their experience, because of their age, so on and so forth. It's got to be an actual leader. And that's where I get concerned with guys like haha Clinton Dix, you know, not saying that he's not a leader necessarily. I just don't know if he's a leadership type of guy or if he's a guy who's kind of the, the guy who's going to come in there and, you know, uh, it's one thing to just get in people's faces and, and kind of, and, and have a fire to yourself and everything else. And, and it's a totally different thing to lead uh, the guys in those rooms. So that's really where where my question is with a lot of these guys. And my biggest target is Jimmy Ward. Like I, I would love to see the Tampa Bay Buccaneers bring in Jimmy Ward. I feel like he's got a resiliency to him, and that kind of fits what the Buccaneers went through this last offseason. Jimmy has been dealing with a lot of injuries during his career. But again, you do have the injury factor. A little bit of insurance to that injury factor is the fact that you have Mike Edwards, and they may bring back Andrew Adams. And those are guys who can fill in if Jimmy gets banged up or something like that. But when he's not banged up, you've got, I don't know if I'd call him a top tier free safety, but you've got a guy who's at least in the upper half of the NFL in free safeties. And you can probably get him, you know, he's going to make more than four and a half million. But I'd say you can probably get him in the, uh, I don't know. I mean, it depends on how deep this team goes in the playoffs. Uh, I mean, heaven forbid, if he becomes like the Super Bowl MVP, then you're probably looking at eight to 10 million. But I think it's affordable. At the end of the day, it's going to be affordable. Uh, depending on you know how some of these other pieces come in. I mean, if they pay Jameis Winston $30 million and Shaq Barrett $20 million, which I don't think either of those guys is getting that money, um, that's $50 million of your $90 million in cap space, leaves you 40 Again, you're trying to bring back a lot of these other players. I'm okay with if the Buccaneers have to sacrifice either a JPP or an Indomitian Sioux to get a guy like Jimmy Ward. I think your net gain is better if you bring in Jimmy Ward and then you have to draft, you know, a, a defensive lineman to replace Sue or an edge rusher to replace JPP. And then you still get a net Sue and you keep JPP, but you don't get a starting caliber free safety uh, back there in your secondary. And you draft even say a guy like Grant Delpit. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big advocate of Grant Delpit, but he's got his flaws. Like, and he and he's going to be a rookie, and we all know 
I mean, the cornerback, you know, is considered the hardest part in the secondary, but either way, like we saw the rookie, you know, issues with communication in this system. So inserting another rookie in that free safety position, while he might be athletically or athletically more gifted, it's going to take time for him to get on the same page. And that time it takes for him to get on the same page is going to cause some issues at the back end of that secondary. So again, looking at the whole landscape of things, I think you have a net gain. If you bring in a, a veteran free safety that can meld with that group, lead that group, a guy like Jimmy Ward, who has the resiliency, the fight, and the talent. If, even if it costs you on the front seven with one of your veterans that you draft a rookie to replace uh, in there versus keeping your veterans all in the front seven, drafting a rookie to start a free safety. So Jimmy Ward's my main guy. I like HaHa's talent. Um, Damaris Randall is a guy I really like uh, coming out of Cleveland if, if he gets free. But, yeah, we'll see how it shakes out. Now let's let's talk about Delpit for for just a minute, and I haven't, you know, I haven't done any kind of dive into into Delpit's play, but he is a name that has been linked to the Bucks quite a bit, whether it's by the fans or by a couple of mock drafts here and there. What what you're preaching and and kind of what I'm preaching is you you still want that veteran leadership. Do you want to invest a first round pick in another member of the secondary? Now, granted, you do that. This team is set up for the next five plus years with all this young talent that's learning and growing and and bonding together. But there's still the question of quarterback. There's still the question of right tackle. You you talked about it. You know, if you if you sign one of these veterans, now you gotta you have to make a decision. Are you gonna keep JPP or are you gonna keep Sue? Are you gonna lose both? Now you gotta focus on on drafting those replacements. So if Delpit is the guy for the Bucks, which I, I'm I'm not sold, but again, I haven't done any kind of deep dive into his play or anything. He might sell me, but you know, the idea of drafting a free safety at 14 with all these other positions that are high on on my question list, um, you know, you you draft Delpit at at 14. What is that going to do for your defense? moving forward because now your your back end you would think would be a little more solidified with the youth but up front and it's great to have Devin White it's great to have Shaq Barrett there's a lot of age there so what do you mm-hmm. think is more important for the Bucks success long term is it getting that free agent free safety or is it continuing the youth movement in the secondary mm. so that's a good question but I mean when you when you're talking about building long-term success you can't build long-term success at the expense of short-term success. And I think that's the dance, right? Like, like uh, Mike Edwards is very solid. Andrew Adams is very solid. Both those guys play their hearts out. They do what they're asked to do very well. But again, there's a reason that neither of them was just became the solidified starter. Grant Elpit has that electric ability, has that playmaking ability to come in and become that. If they don't have to rely on him to also become a top-notch run stopper in the first season of his NFL career, then it'll be okay. If they lose a Jordan Whitehead or if they don't bring back a JPP or if they don't bring back an Indomitian Sioux and more running backs are able to get to that second or third level and all of a sudden Grant Delpit is also having to step up and run run support, uh, then you might have some issues. <laughs> and, and that's kind of why, you know, going back to what I just mentioned, that's why I'm more in favor of bringing in like a Jimmy Ward who is definitely more of a, a ball hawk playmaker coverage guy than he is a run stopper, but He's a veteran. He's been around the league for a little bit. He understands how to play this game, and he's willing to stick his nose in there when he needs to get it dirty. Uh, so if you have you know, an A.J. Epinesa 
or a Javon Kinlaw who, because they're a rookie, doesn't get contained or doesn't squeeze when they're supposed to or misses their gap or something like that, Jimmy Ward is not going to be afraid to stick his nose in there and, and get dirty, whereas a guy like Grant Delpit might struggle with that early on. What do you get if you if you lose a JPP but you add a Grant Delpit? I think that your run support is is weakened, but your your pass defense is 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 uh is strengthened. If this team has a quarterback and this team has a defensive line and they have all their pass rushers and they're and none of those tackles are on the board at 14, Grant Delpit's the best player available. Either him or Xavier McKinney out of Alabama. And I know a lot of guys like him. Um so it just makes sense. But if you're missing a quarterback or you know you sign a Jimmy Ward, then you know what I mean? So so it's it's really hard to answer right now like where's the more most value coming from. But from the way that pretty much every mock draft is going, Grant Delpit is the best player available who fits an area that you can most likely see coming for the 2020 season, which is the free safety position. Yeah, not for nothing. And, and I know we're going to get into the quarterback discussion tomorrow. But let's let's put on our tinfoil hats here for a second. And let's say... Jameis Winston moves on and the Buccaneers end up drafting a quarterback at number 14 overall. Again, you just said you're not a big proponent of trading up unless you're that one player away. Mm -hmm. Um, But let's say the Bucs, even though if they draft a quarterback, I think they're going to have to move up. Let's say they sit pat. They're able to draft a quarterback at 14 overall. The, The rookie contract structuring is one of the best things to ever happen to football. And I know there's a little... (laughs) Well, yeah. There's going to be a little room for flexibility, but not much. There's a rookie cap for a reason. Mm -hmm. And it's because I blame Sam Bradford completely. Mm -hmm. But you take a look at last year's 14th overall pick, and it was... Do you remember who it was? No, I have no idea. Uh, Okay, yeah. It was Chris Lindstrom. Mm-hmm. For the Atlanta Falcons guard. Yeah, Boston College. His rookie contract is four years, $14.6 million. So you're talking about, and let's just round it up. Let's say it ends up being four years, $16 million. Mm-hmm. You're talking about having a quarterback under contract for the next four years at basically half the price of what Jameis Winston is reportedly asking for. Imagine the flexibility now you have with all that money. There's no question at all that you're able to bring back Shaq. You're able to sign Chris Godwin long-term. You're able to bring back JPP. You can bring back Sue or, you know, draft his replacement, whatever the case may be. Now you have all that extra money to go after Jimmy Ward, and it's not going to hurt your pocket. These are the kind of things that we have to think about when we talk about these positional primers, because it it all, just like we talked about the GM and the coach in the draft, it's, you know, it's a symphony, it's an orchestra. All the different pieces have to work together. Same thing with, with the roster, all these different little salary pieces have to work together. And if you can take a defense that skyrocketed towards the top of the NFL in the second half of the season, you can add that veteran leader on the back end at a position that they desperately need. You can keep the front seven intact and you can have a quarterback that can come in and help this team at that kind of salary. Now you're also talking about having money 
to go out and get a running back. And as mm -hmm. we've talked about, and as we've seen through the wild card in the divisional round of the playoffs, you have to have a running back. Now you got money for one of those too. You can go out, you can pay a Kareem Hunt. No, you're not going to get Derrick Henry. It's not going to happen. But it gives you all this flexibility. It gives you all this money to be able to go out and do that. Now, I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen. It's just something to think about. Yeah, I mean, the, the Buccaneers have a lot of different directions they can go this offseason, so it's going to be really interesting to see what they decide to do. But I think if you're looking at one group, if you if you need to identify the one group that you have the most confidence in, like you could do nothing. Like I believe they need to bring in a free safety, uh, but they have two guys who played well in their roles again, and Andrew Adams and Mike Edwards. I again, I would not be you know if if they make a lot of other moves or dedicate money or draft capital to other areas, and they say, listen, Mike Edwards and Andrew Adams are going to come in. Uh, and, and Adams is a free is a free agent, so they'd have to re-sign him too. But if they say these two guys are going to come in and they're going to battle it out in camp in preseason, one of them will be the starting free safety for this team. I would be okay with that. I, I you know, what I mean, I I wouldn't predict them to go to the Pro Bowl or anything like that. But I would say that okay, yeah, uh, that's suitable. And because you're assuming then, right, that a lot of that other money got contributed to re-signing guys or bringing in other free agents or bringing in guys like you said, like Kareem Hunt. Because when you're playing the free safety position, you know, if you bring in like a Kareem Hunt and Mike Edwards is your starting free safety, for example, if you can put together a, a five or six minute drive, you know, that, that ends up in a score because you have a competent running game and it's, you know, mid third quarter. Now you're up two scores as a free safety. You have a lot more confidence in what what the up, the opponent is going to do. And that's where you get fewer mistakes like biting on play action, so on and so forth. Like if you're up two scores at the, in the waning moments of the game as a free safety you're never biting on play action like you're like you're essentially going to be in a position where that that offense is going to have to prove to me that they're running the ball before i break from my coverage because they have no reason to run the ball they have every reason in the world to pass and no reason to run so why would i bite on it like it, it completely limits what your opponent can do to you and a young guy like mike edwards or andrew adams will benefit from that type of system plus or that type of situation plus you know, the, the further away you get from the ball at the snap, the less you impact each part, each phase of a certain of a specific play and of the game. And the safeties, you know, they're, they're the furthest away. The free safety is usually your furthest away from the ball at the snap. So, again, you don't want to dedicate a whole ton of money. But again, like kind of what's been the theme of this conversation is all the money that they do have available gives them the flexibility to be able to manipulate these things and how they decide to invest some of that money in the early goings in the certain positions, certain players will dictate how much more flexibility they have getting into the free agent market and the draft and moving beyond that. So it, it'll be interesting to see. Um, I think the secondary, like I said, is, is the one area. I mean, every other position group, you feel like there's got to at least be a need addressed. Whereas the secondary, I would like to see it addressed, but if not, I'm confident with what we have going, especially you got a guy like Dakota Dixon coming back. James Carmen talked to us about him. Uh, he was doing really well until he got injured there in training camp. Justin Evans. I personally am not very hopeful for Justin, you know, and that sucks. But if he can come back, he, you know, he's shown some good things at the free safety position. Talking about freeing up that money, possibly. I don't think, I, I think the Buccaneers are going to keep him, you know, until basically if, if, if Justin Evans leaves the Bucs, it's because he's leaving football. Yeah, I, I would agree. And I'm, Kind of like you, I'm I'm not real hopeful that he will return, but I, you know, I hope he does. 
I just don't believe that it's yeah. that it's going to happen. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it would be the the greatest problem uh, that this that this defense could face is having uh, Mike Edwards, Andrew Adams, Justin Evans, Dakota Dixon, and Jordan Whitehead all needing playing time. Like yeah. that would be the greatest problem for Todd Bowles to figure it out for to figure out. All right. Well, David, any parting thoughts on our uh, positional primer here before we move on to the mock draft Monday portion of the episode? No. We are moving on to the mock draft Monday. And David, we are taking a look at uh, mock draft 4.0 from Jonah Tulls over at the draft network. We're not going to go through the entire mock draft, but his top five, pretty, pretty much chalk. He's got Joe Burrow going to the Bengals, Chase Young going to the Redskins, Jeffrey Okudo, so back-to-back suck eyes in, in the in the top three there, uh, going to the Detroit Lions, Jedrick Wills from Alabama going to the Giants to help protect Daniel Jones, and uh, Tua going to the Dolphins at number five. Now, he has got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers drafting Javon Kinlaw the defensive lineman out of South Carolina. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you feel about that, David? Uh, I feel that that means that Dominican Sue is not coming back. So I would concur. Yeah, and I mean, and listen, I you know, uh, I mean, Javon Kinlaw. I have not watched a whole lot of Javon Kinlaw outside of just kind of what I've seen casually in passing, watching football on Saturdays, and so on and so forth. He is actually on our list. Evan and I are going to be doing a, an in-depth dive into, into Javon. I want to say Evan has him. If you give me a second, I can actually look it up. Yeah, Evan's got Kinlaw. So Evan on our Wednesday episode, or on our Thursday episode, sorry, Evan Evan Winter of BucksNation.com will be giving us a, his his kind of first thoughts in the offseason uh, about Javon Kinlaw in South Carolina. But yeah, definitely a candidate to replace Nam Kinsu most likely. But honestly, I mean... He could be. It, this could be a situation where you know the Buccaneers and and uh, when I was on the Peter Cast, Ren absolutely hated me for saying this. But this could be a situation where the Buccaneers draft and or uh, resign Dominican Sue. They about, and if they if they draft Javon Kinlaw, they might they might look to flip someone like Will Golston for you know a mid round or even you know a day three draft pick and, and get some more raw talent. And they're nothing against Will Golston, but if you're looking to secure your future, right? Like Will Golston is what he is. He's a very solid player. He's a good contributor. He's very good against a lot of things for you. Can you replace that and get younger at the same time? Yes, you can. If they bring in a guy like Javon Kinlaw, he's a guy who could potentially start from day one and essentially replace Will Golston. Now you've got a defensive front of Vita Vea, Javon Kinlaw, and Dom Kinsu. You move Will Golston, you get some more depth. Yeah, you free up a little bit of cap space, but you're not doing it for the cap space. You're doing it for the youth and the energy. And perhaps it gives you a guy who can come in in certain packages in certain situations and make a splash play here or there, uh, or even on special teams maybe. And it just it just again it's 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 all about the freedom of the roster. And then talking into like looking into twenty twenty one, if that player hits, then you you know you got Javon Kinlaw, Vita Vey, and if that player hits, then you've already got your replacement. You know, for Indomitian Sue, who's either retiring or moving on after his latest one year deal, or you know what you have. You've got solid depth, and you invest a draft pick in there to to shore up your defensive line again. I mean, it's just it's just again one of the things in the realm of possibility. I'm not wishing it on Will. I'm just saying it's out there in the realm of possibility. So even if Adamsu comes back, Kinlaw could be the pick. 
Uh, but I would think that this is more likely to happen if Sue doesn't come back. Yeah, and and I've said when when the conversation has come up, I'm perfectly fine re-signing Indomitian Sue to a one or two year deal, but I would like to see the Bucks replace Sue and and get Vea's kind of tag team partner along that defensive line. You know, I, I want to see them draft his long term buddy, you know, sooner rather than later. Right. And and Kinlaw, I think, fits the bill perfectly. And like you, I haven't watched a ton of him yet. Um, you know, this is the time of year when I start when I start diving into that kind of stuff. And and here before too long, we're going to start doing our our free agency players every day at Bucks Nation. And after that, of course, we do our forty prospects and forty days series, and we'll all start to dive in a little bit deeper then as as we lead into the draft. But you know, I, I wouldn't hate this pick at all. I think that would be a great uh, tandem up front for the Bucks if if Kinlaw is the guy. And like you said, you can draft Kinlaw even if you did bring back and Dominican Sue. Now you have that com- you you still have that rotation. You have that freshness. You have a young guy who's developing, who's going to become the starter. But he's not thrust into that position immediately. He can learn from a guy like Sue. He can learn from Vea, and, and they can all kind of get a rapport down. Um, it's it's worth noting that in this particular mock draft, there were four quarterbacks that went before the Buccaneers pick. You had uh, mm-hmm. obviously the two that I mentioned at number six for the Chargers. You had Justin Herbert out of Oregon, mm-hmm. and. Um, at number 13, you had Jordan Love going to the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, until we know otherwise, we have to talk about the fact that the Bucs could be in the market for a quarterback because until there's a definitive decision on Jameis Winston, it is a possibility. And if Jameis Winston walks, we have to talk about how important it would be for the Buccaneers to either sign a free agent quarterback or draft one. And we'll get into that more tomorrow as we do our primer for the quarterbacks. But it's a discussion that that has to be had because we do not have a definitive decision yet. But if if the draft played out this way and, and Javon Kinlaw was the draft pick, I don't think too many Buccaneers fans would be upset. But then again, I didn't think too many Bucs fans would be upset about Devin White. And when we saw how that went. Uh, I predict about half of the fan base would love it and half of the fan base would hate it. I think that's a pretty solid uh, pretty solid prediction because that seems to be the way things have gone for about the past five years. <laughs> yeah. Um, what I found interesting is is you know looking at who is remaining on the board uh, as Jonah you know gave Ken Law to the Buccaneers. AJ Epinesa was still on the board. Grant Delpit was still on the board, uh, which obviously we've talked ex- extensively about him. Uh, you you got. Gross Matos out of Penn State was still on the board. He's a guy. Uh, Makai Becton is someone that Evan and I both in our in our only mock draft so far the offseason we both nabbed him in the second round for the Buccaneers. So that's that's an interesting observation by Jonah putting him in the first round there. I think it's something that completely could happen. Uh, J.K. Dobbins went to the Chiefs. I'm just going to throw him out there for obvious reasons. Um, uh, Xavier McKinney, uh, the other guy we talked about, uh, 31st winners. And then Curtis Weaver, an edge rusher that, that Evan talked about last Thursday on our prospect previews last week. Sorry, I lost my train of thought. Um, 32nd to the Baltimore Ravens. So a lot of talent. And uh, again, James, you're going to be shocked by this. But really, it looks like a situation where if all these quarterbacks are gone, the Buccaneers can trade back, net some more ca- draft capital, still get talent at, an, at a position of need, and get even more picks. And then, and then 
you know, get even more players that are out of this talented draft class because this class looks very talented. I know every draft class looks very talented, but this one a little especially. So, like, I look at this list of first-round draft picks that Jonah's got here, and I don't look at a single one of them and say, that's not a first-round guy um, outside of the quarterback group because we all know that uh, quarterback round evaluations are always skewed because they're quarterbacks. But for the position players and outside the quarterbacks, every single name on this list is a first-round guy. And there are people not on this list that are first round guys. So if you miss out on a quarterback, if you don't bring back Jameis and you don't have a quarterback that you want to draft in the first round on the board, I think it's a prime, prime opportunity for, for Jay. I don't know, man, like, what do you get? You know, if, if the Jaguars want to trade up from 20 to 14, you know, what, what can you get in exchange for that, for that pick? And then you're sitting at 20 when you come back up on the board Terrell Lewis, edge rusher out of Alabama is available. Uh, Gross Matos, edge rusher out of Penn State, is available. Makai Becton out of Louisville is available, offense tackle. Uh, Julian Aquara, uh, Notre Dame edge or edge rusher out of Notre Dame is is available. J.K. All Day is available. Xavier McKinney is available. Curtis Weaver's like you trade back six spots, you gain a draft pick or two in the process, get yourself another day two guy possibly, and you still get a potential starter for your defense. I mean, uh, yeah, it, it just makes sense to me. So. I'm going to go ahead and start the trade back train now. And anybody who wants to jump on with me can do that. Unless Jordan Love is available to pick 14. I'm I'm jumping on the opposite train. I'm still on the trade everything to get Joe Burrow train. And yeah. until until he's holding up a Bengals jersey, I will hold out hope, David. Don't I'm take this sure away. He's already me. holding a Bengals helmet. Listen, Did you see he, the look on his face though? He doesn't want to be part of that team. I believe you. Um, if you trade up, it's got to be for Joe Burrow. If you're trading up Absolutely. for anything other than Joe Burrow, I'm not going to agree with it. Yes. I mean, hopefully it'll Correct. work out. You know what I mean? Like even Jordan Love, like if, if you trade up, you know, and, and I, we, we don't want to get too deep into quarterbacks, but if you trade up, you know, say to 12, jump, jump the Colts, trade to 12, grab Jordan Love. I'm still not going to like it because you're going to pay. Uh, Cause I think who is Oakland has the 12th pick. You're going to pay so much money. And I mean, money in draft capital for that pick that Jordan love, you know, essentially would have to win a super bowl twice in his first five years of his rookie contract to make it worth it. That's a little bit of exaggeration, but you get the point. Yeah. I mean, it, again, a lot of the, a lot of the draft picture will become more clear once we get through free agency, because some of these quarterback needy teams may be going after some of these guys that are going to hit the market. They may go after Phillip rivers. You know, if Indy goes after, Philip Rivers, they obviously don't need to draft Jordan Love at that moment in time. They can they can wait and they can try to draft Trevor Lawrence or or whoever. You take a look at Oakland. What if what if Oakland or I'm sorry, Las Vegas, what if they're the team that goes after Jamison free agency? Can you imagine Jameis playing for John Gruden? Can you imagine Jameis playing for John Gruden? And then the Buccaneers visit the Las Vegas Raiders oh to open up the 2020 God. football season. Oh, that would be so beautiful. And I mean, and maybe the Raiders even they're going to sign Vernon Hargraves in the offseason too. Why, why not just do it? I'm just saying it's a possibility. So, but anyway, you you get a better idea as to what some of these draft needs are going to be after the first after that first wave of free agency, when those big names are taken, when, when Philip Rivers has a team, when Andy Dalton has a team, when Jameis Winston has a team, when, um, uh, who am I missing? Did I say Philip Rivers? Did I say Tom Brady? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. 
that's when you're going to start to see, okay, now this team is definitely going quarterback. This team is definitely going quarterback. This team can wait, you know, so we can get more into these, into these conversations as the time arises. But for, for every Monday for the foreseeable future, David and I are going to do this mock draft Monday, talking about a, a draft, a mock draft from our friends over at the draft network and kind of give our opinion on who they have going and, and maybe what we would have done in that situation, you know, had it had it been our choice. But that's going to do it for this episode. It's going to be Bucks Nation week here at Locked On Bucks because coming up tomorrow, our 2020 positional primer on the quarterbacks, we will be joined by the man, the myth, the legend, Gil Arcia, site manager of BucksNation.com on Wednesday. I'll be joined by Bucks Nation's Bailey Adams. And on Thursday, David will be joined by Bucks Nation's Evan Winter. So you're getting a whole lot of Bucks Nation thrown at you this week. Well, but, and don't forget that on Friday, I will be joined by Bucks Nation's James Sharko. So That is true. That is true. Unless I get sick again, and then you can continue to make fun of me. And then I will be joined by Buccaneers.com's Jill Beckman, or Buccaneers Jill Beckman, because that'll be fun. We'll do that again. <sighs> Until then, check out everything going on over at Bucks Nation. Make sure that you are sending us your voicemails to 813-444-5841. Follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JRCO underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Hope you all have an absolutely tremendous Monday to kick off what is sure to be the best week of your life. Thank you all so much for joining us right here at Locked On Bucks. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.